1: people-centric leaders. Hey, this is Don Harkey from People-Centric. Excited to share a little story with you. So back in the day when I was an engineer, I'm a recovering engineer, as a lot of you may or may not know. Uh, I've been 15 plus years clean here. If, you, if you're an engineer and you need some help, give me a call. I can help you talk you down. I can show you how you can go from the kind of nerdy engineering thing to the cool thing that you see before you here. right? How come you guys are all laughing? Everybody on our team is laughing at me right now. They're all they're all okay. All right. That's all right. We'll get back to that. So anyways, uh, I was at 3M and I was at a performance appraise, and I was talking to my boss and my boss says to me, he says, okay, here's the things that you could do. And if you do these things, then you're going to get a promotion into this position. You could become a plant manager and then you could become a division engineering manager. And as he was telling me these positions, I was thinking to myself, plant managers that I know or division engineering managers that I know. And I was thinking to myself, like, man, I don't know if I want those jobs. I don't know if I'm excited about that. That doesn't seem like the type of people that I know in those positions, not all of them are very happy. They tend to move around a lot. They tend, there's lots of things like, do I really want to do that job? Is that job better than the one that I even have? So I brought that up to him. He said, you know, you could do these things. And I just said, you know, I'm not sure I want those things. And he got a little bit upset with me because it was like, no, 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 I'm telling you that I could give you something or I could help you get something that I'm going to give you and you're turning it down. It would be like at Christmas, you know, like, hey, Philip, I got you this puppy. And you're like, I don't want a puppy. And you kick the puppy outside. Like, that's something like that.
2: Philip would never do yeah. it would never happen It would never happen. <laughs> you're right. I probably would never give you a puppy. Let's but if you honest. gave me a cat, I'd be like, yeah, I got to go, cat. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, that's fair. Not so feeling it. Huh? So close, yeah. Not feeling it. Feeling the cat. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have said that either. Let's Just put it into an employment As you clause. said, yeah. <laughs> We're doing cat puns now. Yeah, sorry, sorry, it's good.
1: So uh, yeah, so what we wanna talk about as our topic today is this idea of promotions. Uh, So first of all, there's been a shift in generations and there's an article that Diana found recently that talks about this, how in original times and olden days, back in the day, back when the boomers were were in middle management working their way up and all of that, if somebody got a promotion, you took it. Like you took it. I remember early in my career, I got transferred from one plant to another plant. I got called by my boss's boss and they said, hey, we're going to move you to this job and that's going to set you up for this job. And And it was not really much of a question. It was like, "Okay, I'm going to take that because that's what you do. You move up. That's what you do. You just move up. Well, that started to change in during at least my course of my career you're starting to see people more and more are likely to turn down jobs and the article said that gen z which is the newest generation into the workforce right now are the most likely to turn down management jobs Uh, but it's not just gen z we've seen it we were talking earlier we've seen we've got a client right now that's got a a, probably a boomer who is saying i don't want that job is getting offered a promotion and saying no i think i'm going to turn that down Uh, i think we've seen it in all generations so the question that we want to talk about here today is, for those of you who are thinking about whether I want to get promoted or not, or not thinking about it, you should be thinking about it. And what can, how can you go about thinking about that? So should you take that promotion? Um, we want to talk a little bit about how do you message that with your supervisors and your company so that you stay aligned, because that's a big part of being people-centric, is to maintain that alignment. And then also, if you're an employer, how do you prep your team for promotions? Because we've seen that happen, too, where you get all ready and you're like, OK, this person is our next heir apparent. We're going to get them ready for this job. And then you get to the moment and you go to promote them and then you turn it down. And then suddenly it's like, well, that was the plan and now we don't have a plan anymore. So how do you prep your team for that to take promotion? So we're excited to jump on this topic. Uh, Diana, you're the one that found this topic. What What Piqued your interest on this topic specifically
0: I don't know that I had anything specific except that I am really excited for this generation that's coming into the workforce and like making moves because I think every generation does something different and I kind of love the rebelliousness of the generation coming in I kind of love it um it makes it hard to manage it makes it hard for old people like me to adjust but I'm kind of excited to see them say, no, it's not all about work. Like I want to love my work and be happy at work and be fulfilled in life instead of it is all about work because I spent, I spent a good portion of my life being like, it's all about work and looking back, I'm like, man, I missed a lot of cool things because I was so focused on work. And so I'm kind of excited to see, I'm kind of excited to see what Gen Z does. That's, I'm, that's what I'm saying about it.
1: That's cool. Yeah, it's been interesting to see the different generations. It's like the baby boomers were kind of in the mix in the in the mud. They worked a lot. And I think Gen Xers came in and said, "Well, companies aren't loyal to employees, so employees don't have to be loyal to companies." And so we were the first to like really jump around and say, "You know, pension plans not a big deal because I ain't going to be here that long." And that kind of thing. The millennials came in and took a step farther and said, "We're going to stop tolerating bad management. If you're a bad manager, I'm going to leave you and I'm going to push back on it." It's not. It's just not going to happen. I'm gonna. I'm gonna push back. It didn't change management, by the way. Is what we're seeing, unfortunately. The managers have not adjusted to that yet. Uh, but that's they, they came in. And they wanted that, and now Gen Zers are taking it even a step farther and saying, like, I don't even know if I want to play your game. Like, I don't. I'm not sure what what game you're playing, but I don't even know if I want to play it. So there's that there's that that's out there. So we've also got Philip from our team. Uh, Philip is fresh off of vacation. And he you're a Gen Z, right? You're Gen Z officially in that.
2: Officially, I am. I was just looking that up. I would. I feel like I have baby millennial tendencies. But yes, I am Gen Z. Did you say baby (laughs) millennial? Yeah. I'm a younger millennial. I'm like just so close. I'm six months from being millennial. So we always joke in our family. Uh, yeah. My sister is definitely a Gen Z. My brother is a millennial millennial through and through. Um, and so I feel like there's tendencies of both that I really relate to. But just off a of ski vacation, yeah, I feel like I am I am playing my Gen Z card. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're, we're two weeks into the year and you've already taken a vacation. That's,
2: Gen Z. Yeah. That's what it is.
1: No. And some of you, you brought up a really good point. Some of you might be listening to this going like, what generation am I? Well, here's the thing. We could start throwing out dates for you and all of that. But here's the real truth of all of that stuff is when you think about the generations, it's not like on this day, this generation stopped and all babies born after this point are completely different. That's not how it really worked. You're talking about a slow evolution. So whenever those of you who are kind of on the cusp of different generations, if you're in your 20-ish is this, like early 20s, especially your generation Z, uh, if you're in your late twenties, you could be a millennial thirties, definitely millennial forties, late forties. You're starting to talk about gen X, gen X again. Uh, and then if you're, you know, in your late fifties, sixties, you're a baby boomer. Uh, and the idea of all that is just not, it's just kind of where you think you see yourself. So you probably see the different trends that you were influenced by. So we're just going to kind of tell you, we're not going to tell you where you fit. You can tell yourself that you can kind of tell yourself that as we go through. So we've also got Stephanie with us here. Uh, Stephanie, you're 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 more towards a millennial, is that right? You're a little bit.
3: I, I am an elder millennial. Yes. If Philip is a baby millennial. I guess I'm inching toward the elder <laughs> end of you're, that spectrum.
1: The elder millennial sounds like a Lord of the Rings character. Like we have to go. Uh,
3: it's called a
0: geriatric millennial. For the record. I'm I'm not there. <laughs> I, how first off, how dare you? Second.
1: <laughs> wow. Somebody get Stephanie some pudding. She's getting cranky. <laughs> <laughs> we'll
0: put some We'll put some aspirin in it for you, honey, for your we'll
1: butt. Make, make
3: it tapioca, please.
0: Yeah. Tapioca.
1: <laughs> A weird textured pudding for some reason. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So so first of all, that so this is our team. We've got Stephanie, Diana, and Philip today. Uh, and so let's start off with the first question is so you're you're at work, you're kicking butt, you're thinking about where your career is going to go and there's an opportunity for you to take on something different. And right now, I think it's just kind of thrown out there. I think still the standard for most companies is you start in a job and at some point you're probably gonna have an opportunity to move up. There's still the career, like we still call it a career ladder, which implies you have to climb the ladder and I have to work my way up. But the question is, should you take a promotion? Should you be looking at a different job? So let's give some tips on, I'm thinking about taking a different job, I'm taking thinking about taking a move up, how does somebody make that decision?
0: Well, I think, I think, uh, I think. First of all, people are still thinking about money, right? That's still a thing. Um, I always say the people who say that money isn't the isn't a worry or whatever, money's not. There's people that have it, right? If you have enough, you're not worried about that. So, I think money is always the thing that people are kind of chasing in the earlier parts of their career. And so, I think you should look to see. Are you actually taking care of? Are you living within your means? Do you have the money that you need? And if not, is that next role going to get you that? And what cost is that to you to get the new money?
1: I think that's kind of silly because I think money is really important to everybody. If you're just excuse me, <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh just man, throw
1: that away. Yeah,
0: I <laughs> just blew his nose into a twenty. That's I just how blew it. my nose. If you're listening,
1: yeah, if you watch watching on YouTube, you just got a little bonus because I just acted like I blew my nose into a $20. And now if you're on video, you can also see me carefully putting that back into my wallet. <laughs> so 20. if you
3: live in Springfield, don't take a 20 from Don this week is what you yes. needed to hear. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I give you a 20 question it, ask, ask okay. questions. That's mm-hmm. really good. Now it's, you bring up a great point is that you do have to think about the money piece of that. Right. So, I mean, that is, that is a factor in that everybody's got a number if if somebody came to you and they offered you i will pay you two billion dollars for this to if you will take that promotion you're probably going to say yes and then you're going to ask some questions right you know i'll first yes i, I will take no that questions job. second of all yes what do you need me to do i will yes whatever have no
0: i'll be like yes i'm gonna do anything you need like two billion sure
1: so so there's a number but i think everybody recognizes too and we work with enough folks that if you think about long term in their career We've worked with a lot of executives who have taken that number or taken that job or chased that for a while. And then you're absolutely right. When you don't have the money, the money motivates you to that. As soon as you get the money and the money comes in, it's like a shot of caffeine. It nails you and you're like, I'm excited to do this. And then you have it and then it like wears off. Like we're not very well motivated by that external stuff, right? We've talked about that in another episode. So you do have to be careful about it. So beyond the money, once they get past that part of it and that consideration, what else should you be looking at to whether or not you should take a new job?
3: I think like lifestyle is a huge factor that um, I think my generation is starting to think about that. Gen Z definitely is. But I think if we look at the, you know, Gen X and boomers, it was like, you just take the job without question. And some of us, like as millennials, were taught to do that. And you don't really think about, okay, is this like, kind of like the business and the lifestyle that I want. So you have to think about like, okay, like would this job require me to work more hours? Does it have more responsibilities that might cause me stress as an individual? Like, am I gonna be more like on call, quote unquote, than I was before? Like what type of response time would people expect from me now that I'm in this position? Like how, how weighty do those new responsibilities feel to me? And am I gonna be able to have, Um, the work-life integration and balance that I'm looking for? Or is this going to be like all consuming? Like I, I think that's like a a thing that people who get promoted for the first time in a lot of roles will experience where they're like, oh yeah, like I kind of forgot how easy I had it when that job, when I wasn't a manager, when people weren't counting on me to balance budgets or run the business, um, there's a little freedom in not having as many responsibilities.
1: I like that in terms of lifestyle You're thinking about that and the hours worked and you kind of bring up a really good point, not kind of, you bring up a really good point of, does a promotion mean more time? Do you just continuously have to work? I think there's a perception of that. The higher up you go on the ladder, the more time you pour into your job. Is that true? Does that have to be like that?
3: No, I mean, it doesn't have to be like that. And I don't think that's true of a lot of jobs, but I think traditionally That's what we've seen. Right. And really in companies that have a lot of hierarchy, that's typically what you see is that the higher up you go in the structure, then the more time it takes. Like I'll never forget my very first job out of college. It was an hourly clock in, clock out, 8 to 4.30. And I mean, at 4.30, it was one of those jobs where it was like, whatever was on your desk, you just left it there and you did not touch it. You did not work on it. You didn't think about it. Um, Aged myself a little bit. This was before we all had email on our phones. And so it was like, really, like you did not work again until 8 a.m. the next day. And you could actually get penalized for doing that because I was on an hourly wage, right? And they didn't want to pay me overtime my work and I can remember my mom who at the time was at nearing the peak of her career and she was like oh you just wait someday you'll have now all this time you'll have to spend and work won't just live on your desk and it'll be a part of your day-to-day and even then I can remember thinking like well that sounds terrible why would I want to do that like it's kind of nice to leave at 4 30 every day and turn off my work brain.
1: So I like that distinction between the idea of like, there's hours that you work, but as you go up in responsibility, certainly for most jobs, as you move up the manager chain, there is time, there's not the nine to five component to it. There's there's something that you're, you're responsible for this thing, regardless of when it happens, right? I remember the, when I first took a supervisor position, I know I would get calls in the middle of the night sometimes, you know, as a production environment. So sometimes three o'clock in the morning, the phone would ring and it was because they were having trouble with something. And I was the one I couldn't say, hey, I'm not on right now. You're you're kind of always on. But that doesn't I think it's a perception sometimes that it always means more. And I think that it often does. But I would propose that I think it does because people have that perception. I don't think it's like even a conscious perception for a lot of people. If they go to take a job, especially like an administrative administration job, if you're in healthcare or a, C, a C-level position or something like that, I think there's a perception that I've got to work a lot more hours to be able to do that job. And then so I think people do. And then I think that then they get stuck in that. And then they come to us and saying like, man, I'm stuck in all this, these, this high level of work. And I'm, I don't necessarily want this job. It's because I'm working so much. But I'm saying it may not be because of the level of the job. It might be because you're the one that put yourself in that position. Because who would change it? If you're the CEO and you're working a lot of hours, who else has the who are you waiting for to fix that? Like, who, who could who can swoop in? You're waiting for the CCO, CEO, the CCEO. What is that? The chief chief executive officer? There's no level above that. So who comes and tells you, "Hey, you're working too many hours. You should stop doing that," right? So yeah. yeah,
3: and I to add to that really quickly, just to get on a tiny soapbox here. You know, I mentioned the email thing, but that's one thing I think a lot of times people they add rules to their jobs that do not exist within their company policies or cultures. Your leader never asks that of you. Uh, they add these rules about how quickly I have to respond to an email. You know, how often I have to check my phone. I have to have email notifications turned on on my phone. So that way I read every email the second it comes in. And it's not that those are bad necessarily, but I think those are some of the things that people will add to To themselves or to their role that are not necessarily required. Um, You know, not all of us are in jobs where we have to respond to something within like 10 minutes or, you know, the building burns down. (laughs) Um, A lot of us could take more time to do that, but we don't because we've created this picture in our head of what it means to move up the ladder. Or maybe to your point, Don, we're seeing it modeled at other levels of leadership. And so we start telling ourselves a story that, oh, well, I have to act this way to be successful within my organization. And it's just not
1: true. So if you're in an organization and you're a C-level executive and you're trying to get somebody else to at some point take your job, don't get all consumed by your job and have terrible work-life balance because you're teaching your people that this job is awful. And then also be careful about how you set up your time. I like that a lot. Steph and I were just at a retreat with a client and they were talking about their customer service time. And they showed a, uh, a data sheet that showed how quickly they respond to ticket, customer ticket issues. And the timing on it restarted off, I think it was like a five minutes, like zero to five minutes. And then it was like five to 15 minutes. And then it was like 15 minutes to an hour. And then it was like one to three hours or something like that. And they showed this bar about how many of those different things that they respond to. And then later in the retreat, the owner said, you know, the type of work that we have the type of work that they do really doesn't require them to do an instant response it's not like the software is something that you're using constantly or anything like that and so she told the team like hey you know really if you respond within a day it's okay and maybe responding within five minutes actually sets a bad precedent for the customer to put that out there but then somebody else pointed out and they said yeah but the sheet you showed us that showed the measurements showed us like, can you respond in three minutes or one minute or five minutes or 10 minutes? And so you have to be careful like what messages you're sending out about what expectations you have. I know I just spoke to a, a young executive who is rising up in, in, the, in his field and he's doing a great job with it and he's really excited about it, but he's looking at that next level, which he's probably ready to take on going, I don't know if I want that. And the reason he's not sure if he wants that is because the people above him are not modeling the type of leader that he wants to be they're not showing him that. So he's looking at it going, "Wow, that looks awful." Uh and so if you're an executive, you got to be careful about that. Um let's let's flip that around the discussion. So let's say you are inside of a team and let's say you're Don and now you're in the performance appraisal and they're saying, "Hey, we want you to take this position." Let's flip that around as the employee. How do you message that to your employer that you may not want to take that promotion because that that conversation could be a killer. It could end your career in some ways, right? It could be like, okay, I don't want to get promoted. And so then, all right, we will never think of you again for uh, additional opportunities. So what's the right way to bring that to your employer?
0: Well, I think when they when they bring this to you, which I hope they're bringing it to you sooner rather than later. And they're not just saying like, hey, we're going to promote you starting next week. Isn't that great? I would hope that they are telling you these things earlier so that they're preparing you so that you can have these conversations. But regardless, um, I, I think you can say something to the effect of, I'm very proud and so honored and like this is a great opportunity for me. Can we talk about the roles and the expectation? Can we talk about what you want from me and how I can be successful in this and really have a good open dialogue about what those expectations are and what that looks like. Um And and if you have the type of relationship, I hope you could say something to the effect of, I've seen how others do this job and I would do it differently. Right. I I don't think I would do it the way that you do. I'm not gonna spend 60 hours of work with the the email on my phone and you know everyone being able to teams message me at all hours of the day. I would like to have these expectations and these boundaries put in place, right? Maybe you can't say that, but I think you could say. I will do this job differently as long as I'm meeting these expectations. Are we okay?
1: I like that you're introducing kind of a process. Like it's a mental process versus the way that, you know, 20 something year old Don handled it of saying like, I don't think I ever wanted to have that job again. That's stupid. Those people are awful. You know, I did. That's, that's, that's running into things That's skipping too many steps in the process. You started off by doing something really important. That sounds really basic of just asking permission to have the conversation in the first place like shifting the goal so like it's the conversations coming up stephanie we're considering you for this position and it might be an opportunity and stephanie says you know what is it all right if i ask a few questions about that position because i want to know a little bit more because i want to make sure i'm a great fit for that position and that position is a great fit for me that's a great play nobody's going to say no no actually this is a you have three seconds to say yes or no three two one all right philip philip do you want the job ready three two one right it's he shook his said yes so he's got it sorry stephanie you're out um, uh, yeah, so Aww, I, it, man. yeah, bummer. It sounded amazing. It sounded, bummer. Like, it
3: sounded yeah. like you were a really healthy boss to pressure me in that way and give me a <laughs> deadline to, which I know we're joking, but I, I've, I've, um, almost kind of had that happen to me before where somebody was like, here, we want to give you this and you have 24 hours to decide. And like, it was within a space where there wasn't time for questions. And I'm like, that should be a red flag. If there's no time to ask questions or have a conversation or dialogue or someone's really pressuring you to take it, then like take a a step back there or just call Philip because he'll take it.
2: I'll take it every time. <laughs> Basically, Well, it's funny that you said that, you know, anywhere I've worked prior, um, I've always, it's usually within the first year, there's been like one or two opportunities to move up. And so early on, you know, when that's at a grocery store, you're like, yes, uh, I'm excited. And I'm in college and working full time. And this doesn't make sense, but I'm going to do it. And you find out what you're going to get, like your pay raise is like Very small, right? But you do it because you want the experience. And uh, I think that was a great thing for me. But then, you know, now you look back and I think, why in 18 years old with braces did you want to manage people who were 40? Um, That led to lots of challenges, (laughs) right? Anywhere you've worked ever since then. And I think uh, there's a lot of value in looking at what has been done. And kind of one of the things I'm reading a book right now by. Dr. Gene Twinge is the name, and it's called Generations aptly for our conversation. And it really said, you know, generations are defined by the technology around them. That's really one of the things that defines generations. And we've all given examples of how I think at this point in time, work is just overwhelming because technology can reach you at all times. So I think speaking from the mindset of Gen Z, if you're um, looking ahead to what you'd want, like Diana's example is amazing. It's like these are these are my values or these are my boundaries. These are this is how my style might be different than what you want. Um, but I think if you're, you're an employer and we hear this often, and you have a Gen Z like all-star that you see, someone you really want to like put in place to stay a part of your organization long-term. I think just making sure that you honor them in the middle of that too. The way Diana answered that, like if the boss comes to Gen Z and says, hey, we want you to have this job. She responded with like this very honoring approach. Like, thank you, I'm honored. And like, let's talk. And I think the same, if you're a leader or a coach in an organization and you see someone who does that, unlike the 3M manager with Don, who's angry, um, like lean into that too, and honor like where they're at, and just be like, like paint a picture. Um, but then I think also just ask those questions about like fit and role and strengths and what you want in your future too, because I think that there's a lot of desire for people to grow. Everyone wants to grow and be better. It's just does that is that something that's that looks good and is healthy and attractive for you,
0: uh, Philip? You touched on something that I think we should talk more about. You said something about values, right? What are your values at work? And I think that's a frankly, I think that's a new concept. I don't think that millennials were thinking about this five, seven, 10 years ago. I I don't think that came up very often. Um, but I love that you were like, consider your values at work. And I don't know that a lot of people have taken the time to reflect on what their values at work are. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love that you just mentioned that. What else, what else do you have to say about that?
2: (laughs) Well, uh, I think I've shared this before, but, um, and went from one job. It was the biggest company I'd ever worked for. One of the big managers came in one day and was like, "Phil." it was kind of a conversation like this, actually. He always talked about himself in the third person. So he was like, you know what so-and-so does when I think of a thing? So-and-so does this. And it was very helpful, though, because he said, you know, I only work somewhere where my values align with the values of the company. And that was the first time I heard someone talk about that, right? So ever since then, I've truly genuinely leaned into that, um, even joining people-centric, right? I really leaned in and asked like, what do you do? And kind of testing out are these values things that you put on paper and put on your website or are they functioning values that like flow through your company? Um, so I think for me, at least what that's looked like is like finding what uh, what purpose you need. Don talked about you know, intrinsic purpose is more powerful than external uh, motivators. And so like, what kind of world do you want to create? What kind of team do you want to create? And you could do that probably a million different ways. Like you could work for companies that build widgets, or serve people or help animals, you know, like you can, you can have values that transcend fields. Um, But for me, like leaning into, I want people to be better for me being around them or working with them. Um, I want to have teams that are functioning and do excellent work, but also care for others. Like you kind of make those things. So I think it could be different for everyone, but if you take time to like write them down, Um, Kind of the way you would see on a company, like simple words and clear and concise ideas, three or five of those. And I think that could really help you look for the jobs that are right for you or the companies that are right for you. So I'm going to be a little bit transparent
1: here and just share like, here's, I've heard lots of folks have turned down jobs or expressed concerns about jobs. And I'm just going to share like reasons I hear that I'm like, that's a good reason. And I'm just going to be really transparent. So reasons I hear where I'm like, that's a bad reason where I think that's a bad reason. Now, my bad reason could be your good reason. So I'm going to acknowledge that. But like, so like a good reason to turn down a job is values. I agree with that. Like, oh, I just don't, I don't like the thing that we do. I don't really think it's a big I'm not passionate about it. That's another one that kind of fits into that category. Or like a lifestyle thing, like the 3M thing, it was literally like you saw managers, if you wanted to move up, you had to relocate every two or three years. And you would see that kind of thing. And that was, you know, with 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 my kids were really young at the time, I was like, that's I don't want to do that. Like, that's the lifestyle thing. I don't want to do that. The it's too hard or I don't want those headache kind of things. Honestly, like in my back of my head, I kind of push back on that a little bit. I'm like the like, I, like challenge yourself a little bit. Like it's a little like I do get that some people look at their job and say, like, I just don't want it to be hard. I want it to be easy. I just want to do the thing. But I'm going to say I'm saying like. You are disengaged in your job. By definition, you're putting yourself in the disengaged category, and your whole life is going to be exactly what you predicted it to be. If you're successful at it, is that your job's just going to be a J-O-B, and you're going to show up and do your job and go home, and it's not going to be that hard, and you're not going to be challenged. And I have seen some folks fall into that, and I think it's a little bit sad. So, I mean, I just challenge challenge you a little bit. And it's not saying I'm right. I know some people just look at their job as a mechanism, like, hey, it pays the bills. It allows me to do the stuff outside of work. But I think it can be more than that if you're willing to take on some challenges. So I'm just be careful about the like, it's not too hard. Philip, you didn't say that, right? You kind of put yourself in the, the mind of the grocery, like the grocery, the the high school job thing, right? Which I I totally agree with that. Like, that's like, yeah, I don't want to do that and that and that. But yeah, why do you accept the job? But I, it's too hard. I always think, man, that's a that's a hard one people saying, I just don't want the headaches. It's like, man, take the headaches. That's how you grow. We grow outside of our comfort zone. So that's where, that's where I kind of pushed back.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'll agree with that. I think it it has to be hard in the right way though. Right? Like, so I think alongside values, you could even think of those as like, yes, like some of those are going to be like core beliefs, but then they could also be like goals you have for yourself. So like challenge yourself to think about how do I want to grow and do I want to grow In this way. And so when you're thinking about versus like, I think the the question we're kind of getting at is we're shifting from, am I a good fit for this job to, is this a good, is this job a good fit for me? And so, yeah, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Like it might mean it's a really hard, challenging job. It might mean that it requires more of you, but if it's going to help you grow in the ways you want to grow or learn the things you want to learn, um, then that, could mean it's maybe the hardest job you've ever had, but could be a really, really good fit for you. And so I think it is, it's yes, like thinking about those core beliefs and values, but also values of like, who, what am I working toward here? Who am I trying to become as a person? Um, how do I want to grow? And is this taking me closer to that? is it keeping me where I am? Or is it, is it taking me maybe further from that? And not that because it would be a horrific, bad thing, like you're going to a company that's burning down the rainforest, but like, it could mean that it's pulling you time wise time and energy further away from having space to learn the things you want to learn or grow in the way you want to grow or spend your time the way you want to spend it. So I think it's good to, to ask, like, some of these questions of yourself and start really leaning into like, is this position a good fit for me? Not just, am I a good fit for the job? And I'll say for me as a millennial, like that's the shift in my thinking I've had to make like growing up as a millennial, you were always supposed to ask, am I a good fit for this? Am I qualified for this job? Do I have the right skills? And if you did, then you should go for it. Like you should absolutely take it, like take the thing that gets you the better title and the next promotion and the more money. And cause you're, you're stacking up all your achievements, you're climbing the ladder. And I think for me, it's been that shift of like, no, like, is this, is this actually a good fit for me? Is this what I, what I want to do? Is this how I want to grow? Um, and I, Uh, can think of one job I had in my career that I worked there for one year, like almost to the day. And I look back and that's the job I should never have taken. Right. And it wasn't that it was a bad job um, or a bad company or anything like that. It was just, I got offered this position and it was a really cool, fancy title. It was going to give me a lot of like opportunity to interact with lots of different people. But I could remember looking at it and thinking like, gosh, like, this just doesn't feel like me. Like this doesn't really feel like what I want to do, or this is not really the direction I saw my career or life going in. And, you know, I was young, I was early twenties at the time. And so I thought like, well, you know, maybe I'll try it. But frankly, what sealed it for me was I had a close mentor in my life who I sent the role description and asked for some advice. And they said, wow, no one would have ever offered me this job and that title when i was your age and it made me think oh my god i should go for it because like i'm i'm moving to that next thing right but in reality i got into it and it was so not a good fit for me and i realized very quickly like oh i've like i've made a mistake here. And I'd still went in every day. I did a great job. I would hope that the people that worked with me at that job would be like, Oh yeah, Stephanie was great. And she worked really hard, but I left after a year. Like I gave it the good old college try because it was not the right fit for me. I was a great fit for that job. Like I was performing really well, but it was not the right fit for me. And I got distracted by like, you know, what would look impressive? Um, what would get me to that next like ladder stage, career stage? You know, what what you can put on your resume or what other people thought of it versus was this really the right fit
1: for me? Yeah, I like that a lot. I think that there's you're, we've kind of outlined three different things to think about. Right. One is the first of all, is am I, I a good fit for that position? So like and, and I think you're talking about like, what can I do and do I fit into that? Could I do the job? Could I do the job? Could I see myself doing that? You know, so if it's if it's something that, yes, it does fit well within your skills and you might be a good fit for that. The second piece is, is the job a good fit for you, which I think also highlights is the employer a good fit for you? You know, if the employer, you the, the burn down the rainforest example came up, you know, if you don't if that's a value that you have and the company is doing that, then yes, you should look at that like that should be a thing. I think if more employees, frankly, looked at the companies that they worked for and thought about all the different things that they did, and said, "What do you support or not support?" And you wouldn't support the companies that violate your values. I think a lot of the companies would have to be would would be held more accountable to those values. You know, they wouldn't do some of the evil things that sometimes large large companies do because no one says anything on there. And then I think the third piece to it is the fit, the situation, the moment. There's a moment like maybe you're coming out of a job, you know I kind of I kind of railed on people if you're like, if it's too hard, don't do it like don't do this. toughen up, just do it. Well you might be coming out of a job or a situation that was super super hard and you're like, you know what? I need to do something easy for a little bit. I need to replenish the tank and that's the moment right now in time that I need. And so maybe the situation changes a little bit or maybe there's something going on in your life. maybe you're taking care of somebody who's sick or you've got young kids or something like that and you just need a moment right to, through a moment in your career. A few years to be able to take a position differently. So I, I like that a lot. Last thing I think we could, we we and I think Stephanie, you mentioned this a little bit, um, and Diana, I think you did too, is from the employer side. So we've seen this happen before where the employer just shows up and springs it on the employee. And maybe even gives a timeline, but whether they give a timeline or not, it's like the employers are having conversations. And look, as the consultant, what's kind of fun is that we get we're behind the scenes. So we see some of those conversations like, hey, we're looking at this person potentially as an executive and all that. And one of the questions that we often ask the executive is, have you told that person that you're talking about them as a potential for this position? And so as an employer, like what tips would we give to them? Should they be talking about it ahead of time? Should they be telling people like, well, how do you prepare for that moment? So you don't go to your person and say, hey, we would like to promote you to this position. And then you say, uh, no.
0: Yeah, yeah, because we have seen that happen, right? Um, but I, I think I think all, all managers and leaders should identify their successors and should have that succession plan built and should be building up those skills in those people and be talking to those people about the fact that they want them to do this. And, you know, I I think it's hard to give a timeline in those situations, but at least the people know that they're considered for this thing and they're getting skills for this thing and they're growing towards this thing. And then it's up to them to, in the moment, say yes or no. But I think, I think having the plan so that Not just the person you want to promote next, but the person under them and the person under them and the person under them. Like, I think it's just so important that everybody sees the potential and where they could go and what you're wanting for them.
1: Yeah. And what does that conversation look like with that person? Is it, hey, we're going to promote you on January 7th of next year, or is it, we're thinking about this, or is it possible, or if you keep your head above water, we're going to probably do this. What's that look like?
0: Yeah, I don't you make any promises. I think you just say like, I see good things in you. I see potential in you. And I would like to teach you and train you and coach you to get to this level. And that can start on day three, right? You don't have to wait for those conversations. You can do that right away and say, you're doing a really great job. Here are your, here are your biggest strengths. Here are your biggest weaknesses. Let's leverage your strengths and figure out how we build towards something else. I don't know. And I think you need to ask them, like, what do you want to grow in? I think asking the employee themselves and having those conversations regularly is really important for for everybody on the team, but especially for the people you're trying to build and grow.
3: Yeah, I'll agree with that. And I think talking about it way earlier also gives you the opportunity to allow that employee to start building those skill sets before you move them into that role, right? I think that's one thing that managers will miss a lot is the opportunity to start doing like skills-based training when someone is in still their current position before moving them over there. I think that's a a mistake that a lot of companies will make is we don't train this person on how to do this other job until we formally move them to this other job. And I bet if you really sat down and thought about it, there is probably like some opportunities, some time, some space that this person could start learning about what it's like to be in that other position, or if they need specific tangible skills. Like, what if you allowed them some space in their current position to start learning those things, or taking that course, or or building that skill set, and then that also gives that person plenty of time and space and opportunity to kind of try it out, and say like. Was I excited learning these things Did that? Did I enjoy that? Do I crave more of it now? Or kind of, did I get a taste of it and go, Oh my gosh, maybe this really isn't for me and figure that out before you promote them into this other position or before it's like, Hey, this is happening next month and we need you to really decide. And it reminds me back earlier, Don, the example that you gave where it's like, Hey, like, no, you have 24 hours to think about this or you have no time to think about it. I mean, I think probably a lot of leaders or managers listening to that be like, oh, I'd never do that to someone, but don't realize that sometimes we do such a bad job succession planning, we accidentally do that to people. Or maybe we say so-and-so's leaving or so-and-so's retiring and we've given them maybe weeks or a month to think about this and think about, do I want to build this skill set? Do I want to kind of evolve and change in my role in that way? Yeah. And having
0: those conversations by saying, hey, what do you want to do? I one time asked that question to an employee and the employee was like, I want your job. And at first as a manager, I was like, I'm sorry, I work here. You can't have this job. But then after a little bit of like, you know, thinking through and, and being adult about it, I was like, Oh, actually this is a really good opportunity. You want this job. I'll teach it to you. Right. Let me show you all of the things that I do. Let me have you ask any questions that you have. And then it's not just, you're gunning for my job, which I didn't, that employee did not mean it that way. It is instead, let me teach you everything. And then I have someone who can support me and help me. And I have someone who is learning and growing and feels supported. So it is like a win for everyone when you can do those things. But I think a lot of managers hear it and don't recognize that right away.
1: Yeah. So it truly is a conversation. I mean, that's what you're describing. When a conversation includes questions. So it's not just sitting down saying, well, I've evaluated you and someday I would like to move you into this position. But here's where you're really good and here's where you're really bad. And you go into a lecture mode. That's not engaging. Right. Our goal. Remember, we talk about empowerment and alignment. Right. We're not you want that person to feel like they're driving that a little bit. And then you also want to make sure you're aligned, which means you need to shut up a little bit and ask questions like, hey, I see you and I see you doing these things and I could see you someday taking on a position like this or like this. I'm not making any promises and I don't have a timeline in my mind, but what do you think about that? How do you think you're prepared? What do you need moving forward? What would that look like for you? What do you, you know, what things, what skill sets do you have? Or when an employee comes to you and expresses, hey, I would like your job or I would like to get to this job or when can I get promoted? Those are also opportunities for you to have conversations about, here's where I see you ready for this and here's where I see you not ready for this. And then you can really get on the same page. Those conversations are hard, and I think a lot of executives avoid those because, A, they're afraid of making promises they can't keep, um, and, B, just because sometimes they're difficult. Uh, I think if I'm a big college football fan, and I think of Alabama a few years, had a great quarterback named Jalen Hurts, who was the starting quarterback, and they had a great number two quarterback named Tua Tagliova. And both of those players, by the way, just if you're not a football fan, both of those players are starters in the NFL – both of those players are leading NFL playoff teams. Well, one of them is done now, but both of those players are leading NFL playoff teams. So both of them are super high level, emplo- high level employees, right? They're both quarterbacks and they both played for the same team. So one of them gets to play and the other one doesn't. So I can imagine Nick Saban, who was the coach, had to have lots of transparent conversations with both of them about where are they are. Yeah. I think the world of you, I think you're doing a great job and I think you're setting yourselves up. Now, for those employees, if you don't follow football, like Jalen Hurt got into the national championship, and I can't remember if he got hurt or he wasn't playing well, but Tua came in and played and ended up winning the national championship. Both of them got recognized, both of them have moved up, and both of them have been wildly successful. Jalen Hurts did transfer to another school at some point, uh, just to be if you're if you're a football fan, you're like, but he transferred over to Oklahoma. Yes, he did, but it, it was a step in the process. So I think it's it's hard to have those conversations with employees. To say, here's where I think you're ready, here's where I think you're not, but you tell me also, because ultimately the idea is you're trying to build ownership in the process. You want your employees to want to move up if you need, if you think they should move up, you know, and if they're not ready to move up, you want them to know why they're not ready if they really want to move up. Otherwise, they're just going to get frustrated and disengaged with you. So those are difficult conversations to have, and you need to have those way before you're ready for those, because those momentary conversations. I like what you said about the idea, like nobody, few, few managers or executives listening to this say, yeah, I'd like to give a 24 hour ultimatum to my employees to take a job or not. But there's lots of scenarios that you don't plan for. You know, we've been in meetings before where high level executives just leave, just leave. We were, Stefan and I were in a meeting a little while back that a top level executive uh, literally just after lunch just came to the rest of the group and said, actually I'm done. I took a different to promote somebody. And so they're thinking, we got to keep this work going. So now suddenly they're talking to people internally, like, can you take this job? Can you take this job? Can you take this job? If you haven't been having any of those conversations beforehand, now really you're behind the eight ball. You're going to be a little bit behind in terms of trying to get everything set up. But if you've had those conversations beforehand saying, hey, this wasn't the plan, or that we didn't have a plan, or I didn't know this was going to happen, but we've been talking about this, you already know where you're kind of ready and where you're not ready. So let's talk through this and how can we implement this into the plan? So Let's do look final takeaways for this. What's our advice, either for the employee thinking about taking a promotion or for the employer thinking about promoting somebody?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'll add one more quick thing to what you said, Don, too, of like, you know, I, I remember that moment and how painful it was for that team, for that person to just like leave, you know? So if you have those conversations beforehand, then the moments where somebody says no, right? Like if somebody's like, no, I don't want that job. It's far less painful when it's not like we have to fill that job today, tomorrow, next month, um, we could do it later. But yeah, I think my biggest my biggest takeaway is if you are the employer, it's like, don't be afraid to have these conversations really early. I know it can feel scary to like put something on the table that you know you may not be able to like promise an employee that, um, but it's developing your team. It means a lot to people to hear from their leaders. Like, hey, I see this good thing in you and I see how you could really help um, and how you could grow here. So have those conversations early, make it a part of your regular conversations with the team, um, instead of waiting until the moment where we have to fill that job. Um, and then, yeah, if you're the employee, like really think about like, what do you want out of your, your job right now? What do you need from it? Um, and, kind of write those down. So that way, when these conversations come up, you're, you're prepared to talk about them and can really think about whether something is a great fit for you. Um, And if it is like the job and that lifestyle that you want, is it going to give you the type of balance um, or integration that you want in your life right now? Which all let's say, balance could go either way. Like you might have a season where you're more job heavy because you're learning and growing and challenging yourselves, or you might have seasons like Don mentioned earlier, where you're like you kind of do need a break and you might be a little more um work light in those seasons. But really think about what you what you need right now and what aspirations you have for yourself in the future. So when these conversations come up, you're prepared.
0: yeah, I, I love all of that. i I agree with all of that. I think my key takeaway, if you're an employee, have the conversations with your manager about what you want, where you want to go, what you want to do. If you're a manager, have the conversation with your employees about what they want, where they want to go, what they want to do. Um, and I think as so many of these go, it's about the conversations that you're having along the way.
1: Yeah. And hopefully those conversations include lots of questions both ways. If you're the employee, ask questions. Tell me what that job would entail. Tell me what you see for me. Tell me you, where am I ready for it? Where am I not ready for it? Those types of things. If you're the employer, you know, where do you want to go? What do you want? What do you aspire towards? So if you by asking the questions, you engage both parties of that and maximize the chances of that being successful because a job is a relationship. You know, the employer employee relationship, it needs to be healthy means both sides you need to ask questions It needs to work both ways. So, all right, very good. So if you're thinking about taking that promotion, like think, think about it, like consider it, look at the values, Uh, make good choices. I think if we as employees hold companies to a higher standard, I think then we can start to finally move the needle on engagement levels because you're going to make it a demand in the market. Uh, which I think would be really good. And as an employer, I think those of you who are struggling to find talent out there should probably spend more time looking at the talent you already have and having those conversations, because I think that you probably have some of the folks that you already need and are thinking about, you just maybe haven't had that conversation. You may have a diamond in the rough who hasn't expressed what they would like to do uh, in the future. And so the only way you can find that out is to ask questions. So be curious and jump in. So thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, As always, if you have any topics that you'd like uh, to hear more about, send us something. We'd love to hear from you. So thanks for joining the People-Centric Podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to the People-Centric Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then,
3: be well and lead well.